Hey there, welcome back to MVP Business Podcast, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion. Today's guest is Ward Tisdale. He's the founder of the Center for Austin's Future. This amazing organization recruits and trains future-focused candidates for local offices in Austin, Texas. He also has a very impressive background, but I'll let him tell you all about it. Welcome to the show, Ward. Thank you, Steph. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. So um, I, I, the last month or so, I've been starting every podcast to give a little bit of context for those who may be listening months or years later that um, the conversation may stray in, in weird directions because we're both um, home during the um, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And so uh, the conversations about business and leadership are a little bit different. Um, I'm actually enjoying them quite a bit because the way people are thinking about um, life and the world and business and, and how it co-mingles with family these days. But right. kind of want to get that out there so that if anybody listens five years from now, they don't go, what? Or, you know, 10 years from now, some kid's like, oh, I barely remember that. Yeah, we are in the, in the twilight zone for sure. So, yeah, it's, it's good, good that you mentioned that. Exactly. So, um, like I mentioned, I really, I want to start off with um, you telling me a little bit about your history before you started um, the Center for Austin's Future, because um, you, you've done quite a bit of really awesome stuff. Yeah, so I guess I'll go backwards. I, I, I moved here to go to UT, like a lot of people, and got degrees in, in history and then a master's in journalism, where I was a reporter for a couple of years down in South Texas. I then worked for the Attorney General, uh, Dan Morales, in the 90s, doing as a press spokesperson. I worked in high tech for 13 years at AMD, doing public relations and then public affairs. I was eventually head of our community relations program globally, uh, which was an interesting program. And then, um, and then from there, I went to the Real Estate Council of Austin as president of that trade association here in Austin, which is next to the chamber. It's the largest business organization and did that for a little over three years and had this passion in the back of my mind that I, I really wanted to help grow leaders that could um, get more engaged in city government and uh, with whether that's just being knowledgeable and being advocates, maybe blogging or something on that line or serve on a border commission and in some cases actually run for, for city council and, mm -hmm. and we uh, we launched that program in 2017. We've had three classes. The actual name of the program is called the AT Accelerator. It's a three-month program that's focused on education, learning about city government uh, through all the various subject matter experts here in Austin uh, experiences. Uh, we do um, we do you know uh, a scooter ride around during the opening weekend to check out uh, different kinds of development. Um, we do um, a volunteer project. They have the, the class themselves break into teams to look at issues as, and come up with solutions for things like affordability, mobility, and homelessness. Uh, and then we finish it with a competition. So um, we, and we have a, a public event called the Center for ATX Games. This year, unfortunately, uh, some of it got cut short. We got through all the education, but in terms of the closing retreat where they present their class projects, and the actual pitch competition, those, those got um, 
canceled in another words. Although there was one class that went ahead with their class project and we did it on Zoom and it was, it was pretty cool. You need to post who those people are so that we can all vote for them when they end up running. Like these are the people who stuck with it. Exactly. Even when they weren't getting paid or running for anything. Yeah. I, I was impressed with that, with that particular team that said, you know, even though we have a, a pandemic going on, we're gonna we're gonna finish our project. So it was it was great. That's awesome. Well, tell me you you just kind of glazed over it. Um, tell me a little bit more about what compelled you to start the organization. Um, it's it's not easy to start anything, but uh, especially when you're pulling together. I know the reason that I wanted you to talk about your history a little bit because it it does kind of it laid the path uh, or the, the groundwork for the relationships that you have to be able to pull on the different people to come and talk and, and do the education. But um, have you always been interested in civic engagement and politics or? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I, I at an early age, my mother was a history teacher. So um, that was kind of an influence. And I had four older brothers and politics has always been a dinner, dinner table discussion in my family to this day. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I've always had an interest in, in that, in those subjects and being a history major was, was part of that uh, evolution as well. I just, I've always loved history and, and what really is history? History is basically uh, about government and decisions that various policy decisions that have been made throughout time. And so, um, and then when I, when I, did get my master's and I and I was a reporter. I covered politics, mm -hmm. covered county government, city government, political races, worked for the attorney general. So I've always had this thread. Even when I went to high tech, I eventually kind of got back into the public affairs arena uh, because I just I just love I mean, it's one of those love hate things. People get very turned off by politics, mm -hmm. justifiably so but you can't afford to let that cynicism get to you because what they do, whether you like it or not, matter. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, uh, they, the decisions they make affect your quality of life, my quality of life, our families, everyone. So it's important uh, to get people not to be turned off, to get them engaged and get them interested in, in what goes on around the city. And I, I'm also, uh, as I've gotten older, I've, I've realized there's this strange dichotomy that that people focus what's going on in Washington. They're all their passion, their energy. You go to social media, it's 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 this debate. You know, obviously we have a presidential election going on, but the the former government that really impacts your quality of life the most is local. And I hope uh, what that's part of our mission is to make people care more about local and less about Washington. Not that it's not important up there, but there needs to be a recalibration of people's interest and passion about what form of government they should pay attention to. And that's only going to become more important because uh, people are moving into cities in droves. Uh, mm. I, I think about a hundred years ago, we were roughly 50-50 in terms of people that lived in Americans that live in rural areas, those versus urban. And I know in the last census, it was the first time it topped 80% of Americans now live in cities. And I'm, I'm sure after this next census, it's definitely gonna be more. I'm not sure what to what extent. So that just makes local government that much more important. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that one of the things that um, caught my attention the very first time uh, we spoke was the, the concept of your organization being around education, uh, not necessarily getting people to run for local government. You know, there's, um, it, you know, being a woman, there's all these organizations that are just trying to get more and more women to run for whatever, whether it's local or national or their book club or whatever, just, you know, getting women to, to get into leadership, which I think is important as well. But um, I've seen most organizations, just from my experience, have been um, focused more on training for being a candidate. Uh, or, or, you know, getting their candidacy together, not necessarily in training them on and educating about the foundations of what's really happening in the local arena. And I found that to be most impressive. And, um, and I want to say fascinating, but it shouldn't be like, <laughs> you know, you talk to people and they say like, yeah, of course, we need that in, in our city. Well, Again, the, the, the irony is that uh, people, I think just about everyone will tell you who the president is and, and most people know who the U.S. senators are. But as, as you go further and further down, the knowledge of and the awareness of who represents them becomes less and less, which to me, it should be the opposite. Mm -hmm. uh, but but we've, we've, done, we've done studies, we've done polling, we've done research. A lot of people just simply don't know their local council person. They have no idea who it is. And so when they go to vote, they also don't really know who they're voting for. And that's, that's something that it's not going to happen overnight. But, but again, a part of our mission is to make people understand the relevancy of local government, make them care, inform them, get them uh, to be engaged, and then ultimately be more, be more knowledgeable when they do vote so that they know who they're voting for and they're voting for the right person. That's awesome. So it's on on both sides. So what are the obstacles that you overcame in getting this organization started? Well, um, obviously money. <laughs> it's, it's an, we are a nonprofit. Um, and you have to get people to buy into your vision, essentially. And so that's, you know, and, and for better or worse, Austin has a lot of nonprofits. There's a lot of great organizations out there trying to do good. Um, and that's good for the community, but it's also provides competition. But, you know, we're almost three years old, so we've been able to survive. Uh, I, I want to get to a point where we have more sustainability in the sense that we don't have to, you know, constantly raise money. At this particular moment in time, I'm not even having those discussions is this is a good time to retool which is mm -hmm. what i'm doing i'm kind of rewriting our business plan uh but yeah fundraising is always difficult um but it's difficult for everyone i mean that's mm -hmm. that's whether you're a nonprofit or a startup or a for-profit or whatever uh so that's been a challenge uh there has been uh you know some of the establishment in austin probably wish we, we weren't around. They, they like things the way they are because we are trying to shake things up. We're trying to get people to pay attention. Uh, we want to get a more, uh, more centrist kind of government in place. And right now, I would say it's not quite a centrist government. It's pretty far to one side. And uh, that's not good for anyone. You should never, I don't care what side of the spectrum you're on, you should always have balance in your, in your government. You should always have different viewpoints 
And uh, I think that's one of the things we, we want to bring to the table is, and we call it future focus. We want people to really make, when they make decisions today about local government, that they're thinking about the future and not pretending the future is not happening. And we've had that, we've kind of had that mindset in Austin for the last, at least the time I've been here is that don't build it, they won't come. Um, put your head in the sand and just pretend it was yesterday rather than focus on tomorrow. So we, we really do advocate that future focus policy, you need to make decisions today thinking about tomorrow. That's really one reason why our two biggest challenges in Austin is our mobility mm -hmm. and affordability. And those mm -hmm. are direct actions, direct result of not planning ahead. We've not invested in our transportation infrastructure, mm -hmm. whether that's roads, transit, buses, light rail, bikes, I got, you've got to have it all. And we we're playing catch up. And then, the, you know, our rents are higher and our prices are higher, home prices are higher because we just haven't built enough housing units. Um, mm -hmm. and, so, you know, the idea that if we don't build things, people won't come is is flawed on its face. And so we need to change that. Yeah. And also, you know, the concept of we're, we're going to market it. We want people to come here and spend their money and, and then we want them to just go away. Right. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we have a beautiful place and it's been um, from what I heard uh, years and years ago, Austin has always been in a consistent rate of growth. And of course, it just compounds on itself. The bigger it gets, that that rate just continues to balloon. But it's never really, you know, compared to other cities, um, never really slowed down enough for the government to use that as an excuse or as a any sense of reality. Even from its inception, it's been just, a, you know, a really incredibly popular place for people to continue to flock toward. Yeah. When it was found, since it was founded in 1847, it has doubled every 20 to 25 years. Exactly. Nothing, uh, and the projections are it's going to double again in the next 25. So that the fact that we're a growth city is, you can't dispute that. It's just facts. So that being the case, then let's accept that and then build a city that contemplates the future. To do anything other than that is frankly irresponsible. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also the concept of, um, you know, looking outside of yourself and your, your, your community and your circles, you know, what's needed, whether it's affordability or, or transportation, it's looking at um, the future and also the future of people that are different from yourself. Um, I think that's the, um, one of the things that people get most disenfranchised by about politics is they, they feel like it's not working for themselves. Um, and that's not always the purpose. Um, so, so that's, that's an interesting concept as well and goes back to your thoughts of the need for education and what's happening in those other communities. What's, you know, what's um, missing or not working correctly or could be better with small tweaks or big tweaks or big investment. Um, if, if we know how to, how to get there and do the research and try to help. So that's the great thing about cities is that there's thousands of them in the world. And so, mm -hmm. you, you know, part of our, uh, when our, our class, we have a class of 25 each year, they break up into six teams of four and one, one team has five or a couple of five, but, and, and again, this year they looked at affordability, mobility and homelessness. And one of the first things they're told to do is go find other cities that have the same issues, do a best practices research and, 
and draw from their experiences. Mm -hmm. you know, it makes it makes it a lot simpler when you look at a city that's doing something well that we're not and, and borrow from it. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been involved in the Chamber of Commerce, but um, they uh, they do a lot of that traveling to other cities around the globe um, to converse with and and um, do research as to what they're doing well or what hasn't worked in their growth right. plan. I want to circle back a little bit. Um, you mentioned uh, funding and one of the, the things that is necessary both in politics and in funding is uh, the relationships, relationship building and keeping those relationships. So um, I, from you know looking at and listening to your uh, your past, uh, the things that you've been interested in, um, it sounds like you've you've developed uh, or been able to kind of get in the room with uh, some wonderful and powerful people. What do you, what do, you do um, to go about fostering those relationships or getting new relationships? And I bring that up because um, I know for myself and for other, you know, entrepreneurs that I talk to, one of the most challenging things is, you know, like, how do I just get in that room with those people or, right. or, you know, and then, and then once you're there, what do you do to foster those relationships? And I, I know it's not an easy answer, but what does that look well, like for you? Yeah. I, I, you know, I was lucky. I've lucky, I've been lucky to have jobs that uh, gave me opportunities to get exposure to people in the business community, nonprofit community, government. Um, certainly the job I had before this real estate council of Austin, we had a very large board, a lot of uh, influential people. Um, my job was to be very involved in, in city affairs. And so just through that experience, I got to meet a lot of people, but, and that built upon my previous role at AMD where I also had a public affairs role. So had experiences there working at the attorney general, I had a lot of people at the state that I got to know, I got the news media, the Capitol press. So it's just, it's just really um, building upon your experiences um, and meeting new people as you take on different roles. But, you know, I would tell someone that just moved into town is, you know, networking and you're very skilled at networking stuff. So I don't really have to tell you this, but it's, it's just, you just have to be proactive. You have to go and, it, and there could be times where you just don't really want to go to a particular meeting or a, a breakfast, a breakfast event or something like that, but you kind of have to force yourself. And it's, you know, it's the old rule. You, you meet someone, you ask for coffee, get to know them. Hey, who are three people that I could, that you that you think I should talk to and, and, uh, and then, you do that and you just get come building this tree. So it's just a, it, it's work. It definitely is work, but you know, if you like people and I, I do, I'm a people person, um, then it's not so, then it's not so hard, but mm -hmm. you know, another part of it is just getting older. You just, you just meet more people. And, uh, and I've been in Austin, you know, uh, more than 35 years now. So it's part of it is just being here for a while and just getting to know different players, but it does take work, but it's not, it's not rocket science. It's just something you have to be disciplined about and have certain goals. You know, every week I want to meet with three or four people and just kind of keep keep going at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people don't uh, realize. It seems so hard, and and of course, 
you know, depending on the family you come from, the background you come from, um, sometimes there's greater distance to, to travel early on. But um, I remember when I first, and I guess grad, before I graduated from high school, I worked for a high-end restaurant. And it was the first high-end restaurant that I worked for. And I went home and cried because I felt like I was um, definitely uh, like a servant, not just a server. And that they would see me in a certain way and that I would always be there. And, um, and I just, I felt so sad that it was like, it felt like this huge divide of, you know, what is possible in the world and where I was. Mm-hmm. And then when I jumped through lots of hoops and moved to Austin, a similar thing happened after working for several years uh, at Shoreline Grill, you probably remember it, oh, yeah. um, high-end restaurant on the river. And they asked me to be director of sales and marketing. And, um, I was terrified. I was like, everybody's going to know that I'm not one of them. <laughs> everybody's going to like see somehow that, you know, that I'm not worthy in some way of having conversations and being, you know, like eye level with them. And um, I remember just recently talking to Amber Gunst uh, with Austin Technology. Technology Council, and she said she invited her sister to come to a networking event. And her sister said, "I'm I don't I'm I'm a teacher. I'm not going to have anything to talk about." And they're like, "Right, there are people too. You know, everybody has the same challenges. Just walk in." And and she was surprised that she had a great time and great conversations. And I think for me now, looking back and having been in Austin for 20 years and built those relationships, it's um, it's been interesting to see that. You know, I went in with nothing, thinking that somehow doors were just already open for yeah. so many other people. Yeah. And sometimes they kind of are. There's relationships that are introduced to you without you asking. But, um, but really, even for the people who you think it's, oh, they just have sorority brothers and sisters, or they just have whatever, um, they still ask their sorority brothers and sisters for help. They still ask for those introductions. They still let them know what they're looking for. And so I think the excuse of um, not already having a network is, is just that. It's an excuse. Now, there are lots and lots of challenges to yeah. you know, opening the first door and the fears of opening that first door. But it's, it, you have to just get out and push and keep pushing. Yeah, and it, it's amazing. I'll meet some people that have only been here three or four years and they've already just established this tremendous network because they work at it. Exactly. Yeah. And the flip side of that is that you can, you can have a network um, that you've built over years, but if you, you sort of step back and, and take a break um, pretty, <laughs> pretty soon you you're, you're not, I'm not saying you're irrelevant, but you can lose it pretty quickly mm-hmm. as well. So it's just something you have to, you have to keep working at. And there are, there were definitely times where I, I kind of am asleep at the sleep at the switch and 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 lose a little bit of that. So you got to you got to constantly work at it. So with that, what are some of the um, most difficult decisions that you've had to make over the last either couple of years or or in your career, and or what is something that you have made a really big mistake and and you you either have learned from it or wish you hadn't done it. That's, that's, that's a tough one. Um, um, I think, I think part of, you know, part of, 
I think when you are, I think it was almost what I was just saying. You, you do have to, um, you do have to keep, keep your network close to you and keep managing it and, and continue to, uh, to feed it and continue to pay attention to it. And there, there have been times when I, when I have kind of retrenched from that and mm -hmm. have not, uh, have not kept it up to the level I should have. And you, you kind of, you kind of lose focus a little bit, but, um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. It's, uh, it's, it, it is tough to continue to, um, to, to, to fundraise, to, to get people to buy in. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just natural that, um, that that happens. So it, it's, it's a constant work in progress. Uh, let me, what was the first part of your question? I, I got the second part, but what was the first part of your question? What are the um, most difficult decisions that you've had to make? Yeah. Well, the first difficult decision was whether to, to go ahead with this venture and, uh, and make a go of it. Uh, it's, I, I'll say that you know, I mentioned the fundraising. I, 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 I get enough to keep food on the table, but not a whole lot more. And I, I've had to dip into some savings, but I knew this was a startup. This was a time in my life. My, my kids, I have four and three of them are out of college, working good jobs. And, um, and so, you know, I've, I've had to sacrifice income and um, I don't regret it for a minute, but it is definitely um, something that I certainly could not even entertain five or 10 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, but I was at a point where, you know, I'm gonna make a go of this, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make this happen. But yeah, I've definitely left money on the table, not, you know, not deciding against this and trying to get, you know, a job job. So that, that's been a challenge, but I, I don't regret it. But uh, that, that's definitely, that was a tough decision. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was just talking this morning about the the transition times you're making those big decisions to leap and sometimes you're on the other side and even though it's really difficult it's still you can you know that that leap was worth it do you feel now that you're you're in that space where it's still very difficult you know but you know that it, you're in the right space you're doing the right thing I, are you definitely i have no regrets doing it i if the next 12 months are going to or the next six months are going to be very very interesting. Uh, yes, one of the, um, you know, I'm sure you, I feel like we're in this movie, right? We're in the middle of this movie. We're not probably even in the middle of it yet. We're at the first hour of it, and um, mm -hmm. uh, but we don't know how it's going to play out. I, eventually, you know, I this too will pass. You know, there's a lot of predictions that there will be a new normal. We'll never go back to the way we were, and I I don't subscribe to that, but. We just don't know how, uh, we're still in the middle of it. We don't know what the fallout's gonna be. Mm -hmm. So a lot of uncertainty. Absolutely, so uh, I actually think that this is the best time to be talking about leadership uh, in, in the context of, of my history in life uh, in that everyone is paying attention right now, even those who don't know where to look, or I mean, it's hard to know where to look at this point, but who to listen to, where to look, what's, what's, you know, what's up, what's down. Um, it's pretty clear who's 
leading well and who's not and who's stumbling and falling back and, and falling under. And um, it's also clear uh, who naturally finds themselves on a, a leadership path and is passionate about being there and doing good for as many people as they can in the way that they know how versus who just really wanted to be in power and now they're going oh shit <laughs> this is not what i was looking for i didn't um, sign up for that right exactly like i just wanted the title and the door on you know the plaque on the wall and you know i wanted my sign up all over town <laughs> whatever i didn't really i want to have to make tough decisions um and I think that this, the spotlight is being shown on that. And so there's never been a, you know, a better time. There's always, it's always necessary, but more people are paying attention right now to, uh, to that, whether it's in politics or business, I think in, in all of it. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I mean, this is definitely, uh, you know, when times are, uh, times are tough and there's a crisis, your true colors show. And, and you're seeing that with uh, certainly people in, in government from local to state to federal. You know, I, I tend to look at things half full. I think generally I, I, I've been, been pleased with um, how most leaders are handling this. You know, it's been very, um, it's been very gradual. I mean, we, you know, you may remember that uh, the decision to cancel South by was was very late, and and uh, I know some people were you know thought it maybe was extreme, and thank God we did cancel it. Mm -hmm. But you know, uh, I think a day or two after, uh, County Judge Eckhart and and Mayor Adler and, and Kirk Watson uh, made a a short video saying, "Well, South by is done, but y'all get out there and support your bars and restaurants and." Let's do it the Austin way, and and uh, within a week or two, it was like, well, that wasn't really that wasn't really a smart thing to say. But they didn't, you know, at the time. You know, every day things were changing, mm -hmm. and so it's 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 you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's it's hard to really predict how things are going to be um, a, a few steps down the road. But I, you know, I I think for me as a citizen, I think the decisions that are being made make sense, and I'm able to. Uh, to, to live the life or make decisions in my daily life based on the, on the data and, and, uh, and what's best. I, I really don't like to see any, the, the partisanship has been really disappointing. Um, you know, the last thing that's, even though it wasn't a pandemic, but you know, the last kind of big crisis that we all faced in America anyway was, was 9-11. And it seemed to me that the, the country really rallied around each other and there wasn't this bickering. And I, and I think it, even today it's, it, it's there, it's not as, it could be worse, I guess is, is one way to put it. But um, I, I, I think most people out there are, are, are making good decisions and you know, I've been happy. Don't go anywhere. I'm just taking a short break to thank one of our sponsors, 5D Show Services. 5D is a full-service trade show, display, graphics, and services company with over 30 years of experience. They partner with companies of all sizes to help plan and execute the best trade shows and events on time and on budget. 
I've worked with Danny at 5D for over 15 years and continue to be impressed with the level of service and quality he and his team provide. For more information on their capabilities, visit 5dshowservices.com. That's the number 5D showservices.com. What, um, what do you think that it takes to be a good leader? Well, it takes, it takes a number of things. That, one thing, uh, the one word that, I, that keeps coming back to me is, is poise. And, and poise is that when, when, when you're under pressure, that you're able to uh, show confidence, show uh, a positive demeanor, um, you know, rally the troops. Uh, you, you, you see this. You know, I was thinking about this before, you know, I, you see this in, in sports, you know, there are certain coaches, even though you can't compare a pandemic to a fourth quarter rally by whatever football team, in their minds, they're in a crisis. And the coaches that just sort of are calm and, and cool and, and not panicky, mm-hmm. uh, they, seem to, they seem to be the more, you know, you'll see some coaches that are just, you know, their emotions are just all over the place. And their players are going to react to that. They're going to panic too. So I think it's important for leaders to really show that uh, uh, that we'll get through this. That's not to say that it can't be uh, show some, you know, be transparent, show that, yeah, I feel I'm a little vulnerable myself, but I know at the end of the day, we'll, we'll pull through. I think the other thing is, is being collaborative is to get, you know, when you're in a situation like this, you've got to, include everyone at the table and get different points of view. Um, yeah, you may not agree with everyone, but you need to, you need to get, you need to get, and be data driven. This is all about, especially this situation. This is all about data. Mm-hmm. You can't make decisions on emotion. You gotta, you gotta use the facts. And then the last thing I, I think most important is you ha- at, at some point as a leader, you have to make a decision and you can't, uh, you can't, it's better. Um, you can't, so many people fail because they wait too long to, to make a decision and uh, you have to get your data, get your, get your viewpoints and then, and then pull the trigger, make a decision. And then take responsibility for it, whichever right. way it goes. And, and be, be humble in the sense that maybe, maybe it was yeah, a few days later or whatever, maybe part of that was wrong or all of it was wrong and, and be able to admit that and, and then come up with plan B. That's most of what life is, is plan B anyway. Yeah, it's true. Just knowing, like you said, knowing when to say, oop, we're going to change course, Um, you know, and being willing to say, my decision wasn't correct. I need to, we need to move this thing together. My shirt is all funky. Um, (laughs) I I heard a podcast the other day, someone said that um, right now or in any time that's, you know, in big change transition, uh, that the, the leader needs to be the anti-anxiety drug in that um, they have to show, like you said, that there is a plan, that, um, that I'm confident that we can get through this together and that we are, we are on a path and that, you know, however that path winds, we'll figure our way through it. I'm at the top and I'm guiding us through. Um, so the thing I, about think about crises, uh, you know, they, they they seem that there are times where they seem like, oh my God, this is you know the end of the world, whatever. But what we we always get through a crisis. 
It's just how do you get through it with the least damage? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my husband likes to say everything is going to be okay yeah. at some point. I mean, we may destroy the world, but at some point, <laughs> yeah. everything is going to be okay for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and we're, you know, we're, we're blessed to live in, in, in this country where, yes, we have, we have issues. We have the Great Recession. We have 9-11. But for the most part, our, our good times far outweigh the bad times. And so that when the bad times do happen, just know that, you know, that's not going to be the new normal. It's going to eventually pass and we'll be back to, uh, but then of course there'll be another one down the road, but I always say life is a bunch of peaks and valleys. It's just better to have more peaks than valleys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's better to say that than life is pain. Like, is that Buddhism? But, uh, yeah. It's yeah. pain is always going to be there, but it doesn't have to be all the time. <laughs> right, right. Minimize it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but um, is there anyone that you see that is um, doing a great job of leadership right now, whether it be in, you know, running their business or in, um, in the public sector? Um, again, I think everyone is, is, is doing, um, is doing for the most part uh, well. Uh, obviously, well from a local from a business standpoint, I I, I think HEB is doing great. Uh, mm -hmm. They seem to really stepped up and uh, they they they, uh, they sell a very valuable <laughs> resource, which is food. So, they gave their employee one of the first things they did was give their employees a raise. Yeah, yeah, and and those those. Those people that are working in, in grocery stores are they're heroes. I mean, they're not they may not be nurses and first you know first responders necessarily, but I, I have a lot of respect for them. They're they're putting their lives on the line as well just to uh, to make sure that we all have food food on the table. So I've been I've been impressed with that as a as a local business. Uh, you know, I, I think we should. I don't know if it's the elephant in the room, but you know, President Trump has gotten a lot of. Uh, attention obviously uh, i think his task force uh i've been you know i'm encouraged by uh dr fauci dr burks i think you know pence seems to be doing a, a decent job and uh and you know the president has has uh has gotten into the the political mix too much i think on these daily briefings but uh but I see, you know, again, the partisanship has been on the other side too, which, which I, I just, I just see no, there's just no role for that. I know we're in election year. I know that he's a lightning rod, but you know, we got to all pull together and, and, and get through this and then they can do all their, their bickering as much as they want. But I mean, and not to tie it back to the center for us in the future, but that's, that's really, you know, that, that party partisanship partisanship is just it's just not effective it's not it's very counterproductive and that's that's why we at least at the local level we're just trying to we just want to get people who are um care about their community and, and don't care about care about making decisions today to prepare us for the future and that i really wish that would apply to all levels of government frankly mm -hmm. but anyway, absolutely um, I, it's kind of funny that uh, I was going to mention this to you off air, but I'll go ahead and say it because you mentioned that context. 
Um, I've always had a political crush on Kirk Watson for that reason, because I feel I've always felt like he was just an honest man doing, trying to do the best he could do with the knowledge that he had. Um, and when I, when I can see that and feel that from a politician, it's unfortunately rare, you know, or maybe I feel that way or I haven't met enough of them. Um, I, and, and I haven't even met him, uh, directly, but just from every interaction that I've had with him, everything that I've seen that I, I feel that way. And I just, I have met, you know, several politicians that I, I felt, uh, a similar, concept from but it, it i do feel that it's sad that it's I don't get that feeling as often as i'd like yeah well there's there's no question um that the parties are just more partisan now than they've been i'm not going to say ever because we've, we've had periods we did have a civil war back in the 1860s so uh, <laughs> i don't want that to be the measuring stick but um but it, it is, it's, it's, it's certainly in my lifetime, this is the most partisan. And, and, and Kirk Watson is a great example. Um, he speaks to our class. Uh, he's spoken all three years, he closes out our opening weekend retreat and he has a 10 rules of governing, which is, you know, which is really practical and common sense and uh, a really great lecture. I know now he's moving on to the University of Houston. So he's, he's actually retired from, from politics, at least for now, but yeah, uh, guys like him are, are they're unfortunately they're rare today. They're not. Uh, there, there seems to be this, and I think Twitter has done nothing but feed this. <laughs> we need to get social media in general. Yeah, yeah, get them off Twitter because um, it's just a. It, it provides an impulse to to say something nasty about their opponent. Yeah, and you have to say like, how can you get all of your feelings out in? the shortest statement possible you know you and then and then you go back and say well it's not really what i meant well okay uh first of all you said it and it's you know out yeah. there you know in the internet forever but secondly right. if you have a political statement write a statement <laughs> not not you know the shortest little bit and expect people to not get upset about it i i just think I have no problem with people being very passionate about their point of view, but, but you don't have to agree with people mm. um, politically, but you have to, you should respect, at least respect their position. Yeah, I don't agree with you, but I, I respect it. You re, you represent a viewpoint mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, I may not share that, but I'm not going to demonize you for holding those, those viewpoints. I agree. Be willing to he not just hear, but listen yeah. and um, be open to, changing your opinion because of new information that comes comes in into play. I think one of the things that is really interesting about uh, politics is the idea of flip flopping. Um, you know, for some, it's it is a, a total just this is popular now. So, you know, this is yeah. what my consistency wants. But for others, you know, the idea that I learned new information and I changed my opinion. Yeah. That seems to not be OK in politics. Um, and I think that's uh, an area of dialogue that we need to really bring to light more is changing your opinion is great <laughs> when you learn new information. Isn't that what we do when we go to college? Isn't that what we expect our kids to do when they go to school? You know, if we never changed what we thought, we would not know anything. <laughs> you wouldn't be learning. You wouldn't grow. No, you wouldn't grow. And people do evolve. I mean, people evolve. Um, 
you know, their, their viewpoints uh, because they, they hold a certain, uh, they, they hold a certain viewpoint at a certain time in their life. And then they get older and they have different experiences that say, yo, that doesn't really, that doesn't really apply anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I now see it differently. So, yeah. and that's, that's, that's called having an open mind, which uh, sometimes um, people get criticized for doing that, which I don't get. <laughs> exactly. I had a friend who um, had a, a child uh, years ago and, and her mom said, uh, you know, she was saying, mom, don't do that. I don't remember what it was, but she, her mom said, hey, it was fine for you, you know, whatever. And, um, and my friend said, yeah, but doctors also encouraged smoking. So maybe we can move on. <laughs> maybe we can right. learn something new. Right. Uh, like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so tell me, in, in all of your experiences so far, what are you most grateful for? Well, I'm most, I mean, I'm most grateful for my family. Uh, that's been the, the greatest, um, I don't even know if it's an achievement. It's just, it's just that I've, I've been so blessed to have four wonderful children. And, uh, you know, again, that's, that's one of the, the blessings in disguise of this, of this pandemic is that they're all, you know, one, one was living in LA, one was in Dallas, and one was just about to move to New York. In fact, was up in New York interviewing for jobs uh, February and March. And then he was like, he called me and he goes, they're talking about shutting this city down. I go, well, you better come back. So yeah, he came back and he actually owns a house around the corner from me. So then his brother from LA came back and then sister from Dallas. So it's been great to have them all around. Um, so that's, that's clearly been uh, what I've been most, most grateful for. Uh, I'm grateful, you know, for my health. I, I've had I've had some challenges. I've had I've had cancer a couple times. And, oh wow! And so um, uh, right now I'm okay, at least as far as I know. So uh, uh, that's something, you know. You, every day I wake up, I'm just grateful to have another day on on Earth. Uh, I have great uh, family as well. My I'm one of five five boys. Uh, my mom is turning ninety in December and uh, she is as sharp today as she's ever been um, she's just amazing so I'm and then I have you know nine nieces and nephews so we family's just really really important to me and I'm very grateful for that and I'm grateful for living in Austin Texas I love I love mm -hmm. the city um, I feel very blessed to be living here and it's all good yeah what makes you feel most happy being on the water <laughs> uh, that's that's a, a half joke but it's not I, I actually discovered paddleboarding like five years ago and that's so that's like one of my passions in fact I'm after this call I'm gonna <laughs> do a few few more work sure. items and get on the lake <laughs> do you uh, have your uh, board shorts on now <laughs> <laughs> no I don't uh, <laughs> I have I have jeans on but uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, I love I love doing that. I love I love riding my bicycle. Um, I love uh, just being outdoors. I have an RV. I love to go camp, and um, so I just yeah, I love that stuff. Just love being outside, being active. Awesome, me too. What do you see for the future of 
your organization? I know it's hard right now. You said you're retooling your, your business plan. What do you, what do you, was your vision for the next five to 10 years? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we are actually in the process of um, taking the AT Accelerator, which is our training program, which is part of the Center for Austin's Future, but we're going to um, split it from the center, actually, so that it's just the accelerator. And then um, our, our goal this year is to secure multi-year funding uh, from our from our supporters um, so that it, it doesn't become a constant um, mm -hmm. endeavor so I can spend more time doing other things and we want to grow it we uh, we want to move we want to get it into at least one other city uh, this year uh, get an, get an agreement from I've had some interest from uh, from San Antonio for example and so that's a big goal is to, is to get another City, and if we can get another city in the next year, we get maybe one or two. I mean, I, if you asked about vision, I, I can see this being a, potentially a national organization because as I tell people, we're, we're, we're training people to get involved in, in city government. And yes, part of, the, part of that audience are people that wanna run for office. We, we, wanna, tr we wanna professionalize the job of of being an elected official in a city. You know, we train uh, in, in cities around the country, around the globe, we train doctors, nurses, firefighters, police officers, because those, those positions are important. Mm -hmm. We need to have skilled people in those roles uh, to better the quality of life of that particular community. Why would we not say the same thing about elected officials? Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's the nice thing about having so-called nonpartisan elections, which most local governments are nonpartisan, is that the political parties really don't have a role in, in those in those jobs. And it should be it should be groups like ours that are trying to just train people to make good future focused decisions. So that's mm -hmm. yeah, I never thought about that before that it's, um, you know, the most um, positions that are most reliant on on the job training, you're just kind of thrown in uh, once you get started. Right. And hopefully they've, you know, done their work to educate themselves, but you don't know what they've, what they've used for that education, you know, what, what their sources are, what their background is. Yeah. It is definitely a necessity that I think most people haven't given much thought to. Well, I, I think the reaction is, well, they're just politicians, you know, um, there's, there's nothing we can do. It's like, well, no, we can, we can look at it. Yeah. They're politicians in the sense that they are elected officials, but they play an important role in a community and we should, we should spend money and resources to make sure that they're trained and that they're looking at uh, all the issues from a objective and um, again, what we call a future focused uh, point of view that they are making sure that they make decisions today that contemplate the future and not the other way around. Absolutely. So what advice would you have for anyone getting ready to take a leap toward their own new passion driven or leadership driven um, path journey? Well, it's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a cliche, but you really do have to kind of, you have to follow your heart. I mean, you have to get involved in an in endeavor that, that really 
that you care about. And you know, a job shouldn't just be a job, a paycheck, even though it is for a lot of people. And, and for a lot of people, especially wherever they are in their life, uh, there are times where you do have to take a job just to put food on the table, but, but you can always um, eventually gravitate towards your passion if, if you just, you, you take your time. And, it, you know, over, as you get old, you, you kind of figure out what it is you really, really want to do. And then um, go find people that do that and mm -hmm. go talk to them, mm -hmm. ask them. You know, I, I, when I was younger, this whole idea of having a mentor, I, I didn't, it didn't really resonate with me, but as I've gotten older, it's like, yeah, mentorship is, is, uh, is really important and, um, and so beneficial. That's, I didn't mention it earlier, but part of our, the AT accelerator is not only the education experience and some of the experiential things and the competition. But mentorship is also a big part. Each class member gets assigned a mentor who's either a current or, ele or former elected official or someone that just has works very closely in city government. And, and, um, and that has been some of the most uh, beneficial parts of the program, but just learning from someone who's been through something that you're interested in doing. So, Do you have a mentor or a coach? I do have a, I, I wouldn't say a coach, but I have a couple of, couple of different mentors that I, I call on a couple times a year to go have lunch and, and, um, you know, one is Pike Powers, who's on our advisory board, uh, has been a leader in this city for a long time. And, and Bill Stotesbury, who's head of the, uh, president of KLRU, someone that I've always respected and really rely on his, his, uh, his advice and what he's gone through in his life. So. How did you meet those folks? Really just through, through jobs that I've had. I, I, think I, I think I met them both actually through my, uh, my experience at AMD. Um, I think Pike I met through the chamber because I was very much involved in the chamber when I was at AMD. And then same with, uh, with, with Bill Stotesbury. We, we were a sponsor of uh, one of their speaker series programs uh, several years ago. So yeah, met them through those those experiences. Fantastic. You, you mentioned the Chamber of Commerce a couple of times, and that was the first thing that I did when I got that uh, job at the Shoreline Grill was join the Chamber of Commerce and get connected. And that yeah. I feel the foundation of most of the, the strong relationships that I have. They've somehow, you know, six degrees of separation um, kind of funneled back to some of those relationships that I uh, developed at that time. So yeah, find, you know, Going back to that, you know, first door uh, conversation, um, walking in is the first step. Just find an organization that you feel connected to, walk in, develop the relationships, and go from there. Awesome. Yeah, they're they're great for great for uh, for networking and getting getting to know people. And glad to see Laura Huffman, the new their new CEO. She's she's one of our mentors. In our program she's also a speaker so uh, yeah it, the whole you know it, it goes without saying in order to make those relationships and those it, it certainly helps to have a job where you're exposed to that but you know you just they're not going to come to you not going to fall on your lap you got to go out and 
Yeah, yeah they're not going to knock on your door and be like, hey, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be your mentor. Uh -uh. Uh, but, you know, and LinkedIn has been, I think, great. I've, I've really, I've really been able to take advantage of LinkedIn as if you, someone you want to meet at a certain company, man, you can find them so fast. Mm -hmm. and one thing I've always found is that, and I've always done this myself, when people reach out and say, hey, I'd like to have coffee. I'm interested in what you do. And I, I mean, I always do it, but most people, you know, most people are, are happy to talk about uh, what they do or what, how they got to where they are. And uh, so people shouldn't be afraid to ask because most people want to share what mm -hmm. they've done. Yeah, I've found the same thing. It's just getting over that initial fear, moving yeah. through it and past it. Um, we have, we've talked for an hour now. It's been a great conversation. Is there any, are there any supporters you want to mention or any last thoughts that you would like to um, bring to the, uh, the surface before we sign off? Um, well, I, I mean, you mentioned supporters. I, I, I've been so uh, blessed to have a, advisory board that, uh, of ex, uh, ex mayors, ex council members like uh, Lee Cook and Lee Leffingwell and Bruce Todd and Randy Shade and Bruce McCracken. Um, uh, they've been great. Uh, you know, they are people what as I was writing the business plan, I met with them and, and they've been, they've been really helpful to, to bring credibility to our organization. And uh, we have a great working board. Um, you know, one of the, I guess I, did, I should have mentioned this earlier. One of the great things about doing this in the first place is not only did I rely on a, a base network to kind of get started, but from that, I've, I've met two or three or four layers beyond that, uh, investors, class members. You know, I've, we now have 75 class members that have gone through, and I probably knew maybe 10 of them before, but these are all new people that I, that I get to meet, and they're you know, most of them are now friends and everything. So it's, it's really been fun to see this community grow because when you combine our alumni and our speakers, uh, we have over 50 speakers a year and our advisory board, you know, we're up to like 200 people that have been somehow associated with this program. And, and the great thing is to see over time that will, that will only grow. And so that's, that's been exciting. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, appreciative of all the support I get from people that go through the program and people that support it with money and, and their time and their talent. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and for what you do and um, the effort in the organization, the thought that you're putting into uh, Austin's future and uh, how that affects Texas and, and the rest of the world, because Texas is, so, you know, is everything. No, I'm just <laughs> what starts here changes the world, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm not from Texas, uh, so I, I find that, that concept funny, but, um, but it is true, you know, that the ripple effect and, and, um, and just that, that foundation of knowledge and thinking in training those leaders, those leaders um, whether, whether they end up in politics or business or moving on to other cities, that the foundation is there. Um, so uh, I, I applaud you for, the, uh, for getting started, pushing through, um, pushing through this rough time and continuing on with it. And um, I, I hope to see it in every city as well. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity, Steph, to. Uh talk about uh, what we're doing and I applaud you for uh, what you do in the community and uh, I appreciate the time. 
Thank you. Hey, so what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve, who you'd like to hear from, and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.